Don't you love it when church is like this? Yeah, I do, man. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just want to thank you this morning. All you've done for us. Lord, we thank you that people are getting getting sent, sent out into the kingdom. Uh, and we pray uh, for more. Pray for more... Uh, for more bodies to send out, Lord. <laughs> Anybody a uh, body to want to be sent out? Raise your hand if you are. What else to, well, wait a minute. What about the rest of y'all? What y'all doing? <laughs> you know, this is sort of the gospel message. All righty. I got just enough time to give a quick message. Anybody in for this? All right. So how many people are looking forward to this year, 2012? How many people have a good view of their future? All right, so that's awesome. I appreciate you having that because I believe that's really what God wants us to do. He is trying to instill in the people of God that we have a powerful future in front of us. Now, I realize a lot of the prophecies and you know predictions, forecasts, or whatever you want to call them about the future in America is not good. You know, like there's bad things coming, bad things have happened. And probably, you know, a lot of that's true. Maybe it's not, though. I may, a lot of it may depend on us. I don't know. But, you know, I think what God wants to do is help uh, instill in us a different perspective than what the rest of the world has and, and to be able to see things differently than what the world sees and to be able to live in a, in a state of renewal and a state of hope in our hearts. And that's really what God wants to release to the, to the church to the people of God, that we live in hope, we live in vision, we live in dreams. Uh, we don't live from memory. You know, we live from, you know, imagination. I'm talking sanctified imagination instead of living from our memories. And one of the things, you know, to, to be able to do that is you have to be able to let go. You have to move on, even from what God did. You know, you have to make a conscious decision in your heart that God has finished something. Because he has, and he wants to bring you into something, something really new and something fresh. And I believe if we could really begin to grab a hold of that, because much of Christianity doesn't really do that. So let me read the scripture to you. Are y'all okay this morning? First, first, man, that worship was good today. Yeah, that was really, really good. Great job, Kevin. Where's Kevin at? Right. Great job, Kevin. Andy, you did pretty good, too. <laughs> I'm just messing with Andy. First uh, Thessalonians 5, 23 through 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. He will preserve you. He will, which is not just preserving you like embalming you, like some people believe. <laughs> He's actually talking about a wholeness that God wants to bring. So, you know, right here it shows us, you know, that we are made up of three parts. We all know this. But we have a spirit, and around our spirit is a soul, and around our soul is a body. So we're really a spirit with a, uh, with a body. We're not a body with a spirit. That's the way to look at it. But what God wants to do, um, is anybody here sick this morning? Feel bad? You see, this is what I've really discovered. I believe that 
God is interested in a, in a, a, a balanced life, okay? And the balance is this. Is he, he wants all three parts of us to be whole and healthy, okay? That's why Jesus went after healing so much in the Bible is because when you're sick, it does bother. It messes with your spiritual life. Does any y'all know what I'm talking about? You know, when you don't feel good, you just don't. It just messes with your spiritual life. If your soul is wounded, you know, it is going to cause difficulties in your spiritual life. And that's why Jesus said, I came to heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free. You know, he wasn't just trying to help people spiritually. He was just trying to help them with their lives to make them a whole and wholesome person that could live a, 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 a fruitful and spiritual life on this earth. And so that's really important. You know, or else you're off. You're off rhythm. You're out of harmony with the spiritual when you're sick. Or you're out of harmony with the spiritual when, when you have a, you know, a bitterness or some kind of situation going on in your, in your body. So I also believe this. I believe that in Christ, it says it in the Bible too, by the way, that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. In Christ, we have been. In other words, we have we have it all. I, I believe God will can't give me anything else. He's given it all to me. The problem with that, though, is that is lodged down in my spirit, right? That's where it is. It's not out here yet. Some of it is. It's that we are being transformed or renewed by the Spirit of God, which brings those things into our every part of our lives, our souls and our bodies. Or do y'all follow that? That's really critical because a lot of people talk about having it all, but they don't live like they have it all. You know, like, we got it all. We don't need anything else. We don't need a move of God. We already got it all. But that's, that's really not true. Right? It's really not true because they don't really have it all in, in, a, in a practical experience, an out, outward experience. So God really wants to to help us in the realm of our spirit, to get what's in our spirit into our souls, and forming the personality of Christ in us. That's why, what the Bible talks about when Paul prayed that we would be governed by the Holy Spirit's power in our soul, in our inner man, so that the nature of Christ would be formed there. In other words, the Christ that's in your spirit could be brought into your soul and, and begin to take over your life. God wants to take over you. He wants to control everything in your life. He absolutely wants to control it all. Okay? But it's a good control. It's not like human control. Are y'all following that? All right, now let's read Hebrews 12, 9. And we'll just see something. One of the things that God has been doing in my life is He has been reparenting me. Everybody say, reparenting. In other words, I had parents that are with the Lord now, and they parented me, but they didn't necessarily parent me in every way I need to be parented. Okay, so God has in my life has been reparenting me. He's been, been becoming a father to me. Okay, it says it right here in Hebrews 12, 9. Uh, Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect, right? Did you pay your daddy respect, or he'd beat you harder? That's the way my daddy was. You shall respect me or you will get a harder whipping. And my daddy could give a hard whipping. If he ever pulled his belt off, you had to run real hard and real fast. Because he would just let, let That's what they used to do it in the old days. 
Some people don't whip their kids no more, but maybe that wasn't talking about whippings, but that's how I got corrected. And we paid them respect for it. Shall we not much more readily be in subject to the Father of spirits and live? Father, so you see, that's what the God the Father, He's a Father to all of our spirits. And that's where He begins to father us at, in the realm of our spirit. He begins to work in the realm of our spirit as a father does and begins to speak into your, into your spirit and begins to relate to you in your spirit. And so the key for us as Christians is to be able to tap into our spirit and, and live from our spirit. And what God wants to do is He wants to teach us how to live out of our spirit, not out of, out of, not out of our soul, not out of our minds, but our spirits. Do you believe that? Most Christians depend on other Christians for what they're bringing spiritually. Okay? Most Christians are looking for other Christians what they... In other words, people will come into a church, somebody is releasing something. They're releasing the Spirit of God. We call it the anointing. Call it whatever you want to. The, the atmosphere of heaven. Whatever it is that this person's carrying down in their spirit, they're releasing that. And, and other people are coming in and, and partaking in that... But they're really, many of them are not really figuring out how to do that themselves. You know, Jesus even said that about John the Baptist. He said, y'all were willing to walk in his light for a little while until he started talking stuff they didn't want to hear. And then they decided they didn't like that light anymore. Y'all, y'all following that. So what God wants us to do is not be subject, subject to everything going on around us. Right? That's how you and I can have a positive attitude about the world and about, the, about our lives in this world. There's, you can't have it. I don't care how optimistic you are. You cannot, you know, they might say, well, we got plenty of work, you know, this year here at work. Well, that's a positive idea. We got work for, for the first three months. But after that, it may run out. But, so the only way to have a real, real a right, you know, hopeful attitude in your heart is to live out of your spirit and what's, what you're discovering in, your, in the realm of your spirit. And so we have to learn how to do that. And we have to learn how to... Our whole lives should be focused around that thing because we're spiritual first and foremost. And, and we lived oppositely. Okay? We've lived oppositely. And so God's trying to turn everything around for us. That's why Jesus said to repent, change your mind for the kingdoms. You've got to change your mind about the way you live your life, the way you think, to be able to tap into the, to the spiritual world. Amen? All right, let me give you just a couple more scriptures on this. One thing is, this is really important, is being childlike. Okay? If you are going to be reparented, that's why Jesus says you, you must be born again to see the kingdom. Okay? That's what he said. If you're going to see the kingdom, you've got to be born again. In other words, you've got to become like a child on the inside and be willing not to be, to know everything anymore, to be willing to let go of what you know or what you think you know. And as you begin to do that and become childlike in your heart and begin to believe something different and begin to get different thoughts, then your life will begin to change. I think that's pretty good. You know? Uh, this is one I wanted to read to you, Proverbs eighteen fourteen. This is about sickness. I'm just talking about sickness because I was sick here recently and and I found it be kind of difficult on me spiritually when I was sick. But I had something else going on around me, too, that I couldn't, because I was... Well, here's what was happening to me. I had this oppression that I was dealing with. 
spiritual oppression that was coming against me, but I was sick, so I couldn't discern it was spiritual oppression because I was sick and I didn't feel good. So I didn't really know what, I thought I was just messed up. I thought I, I messed up. What's wrong with me? I'm messed up. I can't tap into the spiritual realm. I can't figure out, you know, I'm just, boy, am I just a sorry old thing. You know, I just started thinking all these thoughts. Well, once I got worked through it, I realized that, number one, I didn't feel good. But, and then the oppression that was there that I didn't know was spiritual. I realized it was outside of me. And once I got out of that oppression, it was like, oh, man, I'm back, I'm back in the heavenly realm. What happened? What changed? Nothing changed. I got out of the oppression. Okay? And, and got tapped back into the spiritual realm. And, and suddenly I was starting to hear God again. Even I was still feeling bad, you know, but I was starting to, to feel, God, feel God again. And, you know, that's the way God wants us to live. Your house should be a place where angels reside in your house. And they really should be. I mean, you should be able to walk in your house and it be a, a, a place of peace, a place of joy. There should be angelic presence in your house. If there's not, you know why there's not? You know why? Because you, it's you, 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 you haven't invited them. You haven't cultivated an atmosphere for you. You haven't given them permission to come and function in your house. They're not going to just come in if they're not welcome there. You know, pay attention. If you'll pay attention, they come. You know, well, I'm not all big. I know people get weirded out when you start talking about angels and all that stuff. And we have this big discussion in my house about the word mystic. Okay. I personally like the word mystic, but I realize it has baggage associated with it. You know, like Joan of Arc was a mystic, and oh gosh, she was burning at the stake, and she rode around on a horse naked, and <laughs> you know. So we're trying to figure out other words that we can use that can, that will help people get real spiritually, but not throw them off. You know, but at home I'm using the word mystic. <laughs> That's what I do at home. Well, the spirit of man, it says in Proverbs, are y'all okay? The spirit of man will sustain him in sickness. Okay? So when you're sick, and you ask people who've been really sick for a while that are spiritual people, they will tell you, yeah. That's what got me through. Is I was, is, is, this, is my spirit inside of me. You know? That's what got me through this time. But then it says, but who can bear a broken spirit? Nobody can bear a broken If your spirit's crushed... If you, if you are messed up spiritually, then your life is going to be messed up. Okay? And that's why God is a father to our spirits, and that's why he wants to go after our spirits. You know, there's, a, there's several other ones. This one, Proverbs 17, 22, A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones, dries you up. That's what happens. When you get dry spiritually, something's wrong spiritually in your life. And then there's one in Job where it actually says the, the breath of the Almighty speaks understanding into what a man's spirit. We think we get understanding in our brain. It's really in our spirit, man, is where understanding truly comes. Okay? That's how God, God does that. All right, this is another, Mark 14, 38. It says the spirit, the spirit of man is willing, but human nature is weak. That's my translation. Human nature is weak. In other words... Uh, Jesus was saying, spiritually, you can resist sin. Spiritually, you, you, spiritually, your spirit wants to resist sin. It wants to live right. It wants to do the right thing. But human nature doesn't. It's weak. It doesn't want to do the right thing. Right? Mine don't anyway. It wants to do the wrong thing. So that's what Jesus was saying. There, but it's, so it's by your spirit that you overcome sin. It's by your spirit you do these things. And so if we're not tapping into our spirit, 
we're going to be sinning a lot. Right? Yes, sir. I'm telling you, if you can't tap into your spirit, guess what you're going to do? You're going to do bad stuff. You're going to say bad things. All right, so here's what happened to me, okay? This is the reason. I'm telling you this for, for a reason. Is I had this dream. Now, I'm talking about angels. Now, I'm talking about a dream. Okay? Start the year off right. Dreams, visions, revelations of the Lord. Paul did it. He said it. So I'm in, I'm in good company. Had this dream. And this is what happened. The Lord was, I was in another country. In the dream, I was in Wales. For some reason, I knew I was in Wales. I don't know why I knew it, but it was real dark. And I was in a cave. And the Lord was standing outside the cave. And he said, come to the mouth of the cave. And when I did, this wind blew on me. Okay? And it was a powerful wind, but it was a gentle wind. I mean, powerful in the sense of, I don't know, it didn't touch me physically. It touched me. Well, like in the, in the Bible, it says, like a mighty wind when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. It was like that. But when it blew me, something started coming alive in me. Okay? And it was my, it was my spiritual DNA. It was my spiritual roots. It was everything that God ever said about me. It was who I was spiritually that God was, was blowing on me and waking in me. And I started experiencing an awakening inside of me. I was, a, I was a, there was this thing that was happening, this awakening. You know, we talk about a spiritual awakening happening, which we want to see happen in our nation. I had one happening inside of me in that dream. Okay, now that was not a regular dream. That, you know, you can have regular dreams. Some are from the devil. Some are just, I don't know, training film. That's what I always call them. They, mean, they don't mean anything. It's just God training. That's why I always thought about some dreams that matter not. Oh, God, this is like training exercises. But then you can have these dreams. They're more than just dreams. They're real encounters with the Lord. Because I already said that about Solomon's dream, right? It's, you know, Solomon, everybody talks about Solomon. He got his wisdom in a dream. God visited him in the dream. See, we don't really understand the significance of some things that happen. If you begin to pay attention to what's going on, these, you, you realize this is not just some, this is not just some fan, you know, fantasy dream. This is not just a, a stray thought. This is an encounter where God visited me in a dream and blew His breath on me. Okay? Blew His breath on me and caused something to start happening on the inside of me. You know, and, and then some other things happen. I don't really want to go into all this other one. I have to be really careful. All right, now let me just read Isaiah 9, 6. It said, this is my Christmas verse one week later. This is Christmas, man. For, right, for, for unto us a child is born. <laughs> let me give you some radical thought here. Jesus was a man and God at the same time, right? We are men and women, and we also have God's DNA in us. Have you thought about that? See, Jesus was the example. Have you ever thought about it? He was the example. Not that we were ever going to be, you know, Jesus. I mean, he was like the top one. Now, let's go ahead and get that settled. You know, he's the Lord. He's the top guy, and he always will be. Nobody's ever going to get up to him. You know, I tell you how close we're going to get to him kiss the sun, <laughs> you know, but, but what I am saying is, 
We're children of God. That means we're carrying heaven's DNA in us. It means we're just not just people. We're not just humans. Now, I think when we begin to start believing... See, that sounds radical to a lot of people. You know, and they think that's not... Something might not be right with that. What you thinking? Something ain't right about what you're thinking. Because we're, we're, like, we're like gods. That's scary to say that, isn't it? <laughs> it's kind of scary. But not really. Jesus said that. He said, didn't you... Remember? He said that in the Bible. Jesus said that. He said it. And so what we've got to begin to think is we're not, we're not like the world. We have God in us, living in us. We've got His DNA pulsing in us, and it wants to express itself through us. It wants to talk through us. It wants to see through us. It wants to hear through us. That's the way the Christian life was meant to be lived. That's the way Jesus did it. All right, so that's for unto us a child is born. We were all born. A son is given, and He's given His son to us. Okay, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called... These are are ways that God wants to reveal himself to people. Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's five ways that God wants to come to you and I and say, I want to show you what it's like. Wonderful. Okay? Now, here's the... I was so excited about wonderful, I couldn't stand it. Like, what is it? Wonderful. God, this is going to be, this is an, an ecstatic experience. Wonderful. Until I looked up the meaning of it. And it was like, oh, no. I don't think I want wonderful, Lord. This is the, the ongoing discussion we have at our house is this. Why does God not do stuff he said he was going to do? Have you ever had that discussion? Why has God not healed this person? Why did that, that person, you know, not get that job? Why did, you know, and so there's this thing. And so in America, the church is facing this revelation of wonderful. Okay? We're facing a revelation that suddenly God ain't doing what he's, we always thought he was supposed to do. It, it's almost like he is contradicting himself. Do you know God to ever contradict himself to you? I mean, Really? If you're going to follow God, you're going to find Him to be sort of contradictive in nature. Like, for instance, He wants you to be childlike. He's saying you've got to be a child. And then Paul says, you've got to quit being childish and grow up. It's just coming out of the same Bible. Those, you know, it's, you know, are y'all following this? You see, this is what it is. You see, God has a lot of facets to Himself. Okay, He's not one-dimensional person. In other words, He doesn't have one face. Okay, he has many faces, and he has many ways he wants to reveal himself to people. And he wants us to know him in many different ways. Um, Jesus said this in John seventeen twenty six, And I made known to them your very self, and I will make you known still further. In other words, he was saying there's more, there's more of you to be known than what Jesus even showed when he was on the earth. He said, I'm going to make, there's more of God than we know. Okay, so what God is trying to do, he, tries to, he's, he wants to bring people to this, this place of, of, of getting revelation on his different facets of his personality, of who he is and what he's like. And so this is what happened. This is, the, this is like, I want this to become the story of your life. Okay, because I would like some people to go with me on this revelation. Okay, because this revelation cost me a pile of money 
to get. I'm literally a piles of money. You, you wouldn't believe what all this revelation cost me. But this is what happened to me a long time ago, 30-something odd years ago. You know, I was a believer, and I was taught in our church about God. Okay, whichever, and, and we were taught well about God, honestly. And we were taught accurately about God. And so that's how I knew God. I knew God by what they taught me, what they said God was like, and what they demonstrated God was like. And it was really a great way to know God until one day God showed up in my life, and He won't acting like that no more. He, he was acting kind of opposite, really. And so... I went through a, the worst time of my entire life. I, it was the deepest, darkest place that I've ever been through in my life. And it was awful. And I was so angry with God. I was just absolutely angry with God because God was not doing like God. This is how they said you were. This is what the Bible even says about you. But this is not what you're doing. And you've got to do something here. I was so angry. I said, if you would come as a man... Coming as a man right now, I will kill you. I will shoot you. I was so upset with him. I was so angry with him because my life was just, I was being crushed. I was being crushed in my life. I mean, really crushed. I had a baby to die. One time I borrowed a friend of mine's car to go on a job interview because I didn't have a job and wrecked the car going on the job interview. And not only did I wreck it, I went through this guy's vegetable stand, how he made his living tore his vegetable stand up. It was a miracle I wasn't killed, literally, because I saw like this big 8 by 8 post coming straight at my car. I just closed my eyes, and I guess it just went over it. I don't know. I mean, because I mean, I tore this thing all to pieces. I hit some ice. That was just like a normal day in my life, man. Like, gosh, you know, what's going to happen today? You wake up, like, what bad thing is going to happen? Who's going to die next? Is God, am I going to die? Is, is he going to take Becky? It was terrible. Nothing was working. God wasn't working. My favorite scriptures weren't working. I love the faith movement. You know, the word of faith. I love it. It didn't work, though. Nothing worked. God didn't work. He quit working. He quit doing what I wanted him to do. So I came to this strategic moment one night. It was a very strategic moment. I had four bucks. So I went and put four dollars worth of gas, which in those days was probably... You know, 50 cents a gallon, kind of, maybe less, maybe four. I don't know, remember, but you could go a pretty good ways on $4. And I went, I wanted to get away from mankind, okay? So I drove as far as I could where I knew I could get back. <laughs> I'm not going to get there and get I'm not going to get there and stay. But I went deep, deep. You go, went a long ways in country. Country roads, getting away from houses, getting away from light. I wanted to get away from every thought. Because we don't realize, we hear, you don't realize there's all this noise going on around you all the time. And you, whether you're tuned in or not, you're hearing it. It's affecting you. So I wanted to, somehow I knew that. I knew I had to get away from man's thoughts. I didn't even want to be anywhere near a church building. I mean, honestly, like, no, i got to stay away from church because they're going to tell me something about God that's probably not true. Or it just may be true in their experience, but it's true nowhere else. It's only true at church on Sunday morning. You know, <laughs> seems like that's the way church goes a lot of times, you know. It just only works at church. I'm like, come on, what kind of church? I mean, what kind of, dang, oh man, that can't be right. <laughs> Anyways, so I get out there, 
And finally, I just get out on this dirt road that went for miles and miles and miles and miles into the wilderness, into nowhere land. And I stopped, and I just started crying out to God. I was crying out to God because I felt like I was, I felt like I was in that deep cave. But it was more, it, it was, it was like I was in the cave that was going down into the earth. And that's the way it felt to me. I felt like I was dying. I felt like I'm going to die. Because everything that I have placed, I have staked my whole life on this God who saved me. And I knew I was saved. I was saved out of a terrible life. I knew God was real. I had experienced His pleasure. I experienced all these things about God. But suddenly it was all gone. It was all taken away from me. And I was at that point where I said, you've got to do something. You've got to help me because I just, I don't understand you. I don't know who you are. Who are you? You've got to reveal yourself. You've got to tell me something. That's what he was, you know, it was just a pitiful cry, really, of a person that was destroyed, crushed. I was crushed. I've never been so crushed in my life. Well, this is what the Lord did. He spoke to me. He revealed and said, and basically this is what he showed me. He showed me, he said, I'm not, you don't know me. You don't really know me. And I'm showing you a different side of my face. And you must, you must humble yourself. You must, you must know me the way I'm showing you. That's what he said. You must know me that way. You must, that's, how you, that's how you're going to know me. You're going to know me the way I reveal myself to you. You can't know me through everybody else unless I just want to reveal myself to you through another person. And if I'm doing that, that's how you're going to know me. And I somehow, somehow or another, that kind of worked, okay, in my life. I don't know why. I've been thinking now, like, that was it? That was my encounter? Like, you're going to just have to know me this the way it is? I'm just, he said, my face is like a diamond. That's what he said to me. My face is like a diamond. It's got many sides. I realized, man, I don't know the Lord. But this is what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. I'm going to get to know the Lord. I, I made an oath to the Lord. I'll spend the rest of my life getting to know you. I, I'll spend the rest of my life. I want to know you. I don't really know what, what, what this is about. I, I got to know you. You know? And I think I didn't do a good job at it when I look back. I think I didn't do a good job at this, knowing the Lord. Because there'd be times when I would fall away into what everybody else was saying about God. You know, and, and that was the way God is. Because that's what the crowd was doing. And so it was like, well, I love what the crowd's doing, but is that what you're saying to me? Is that you in the earth? And getting just like, well, we we got to have a move of God because we're, we're so desperate for a move of God. And, and if we don't have this move of God, we're going to die what kind of Christianity is that? Well, I'm on my own move of God. I can have my own move of God. I don't need everybody else's move of God. I need me to know God. I need God to blow in me. And if He blows in me, when He blows everywhere else, well, that's just going to make it much better and more fun. Because it is more fun with more people, I'll be honest with you. You know, that's when church gets fun. When everybody's feeling the wind. Everybody's getting touched. Anyways, thank you, Lord. Well, wonder did I never talk about wonderful? About our argument about wonderful. So we had this we had this discussion in our family. 
about wonderful. So I have just bad, I mean, I mean I'm dug in on this because this is what I see happening in the church. It's people are accusing God. People are saying stuff about God that's not right because God ain't doing what they want Him to do. And so they lose heart with God. Okay? Well, God hasn't given me the baby yet. You know what those guys did in the furnace when they were going to get thrown in the fire in the book of Daniel? They, this is what they said. Well, God can deliver us. We ain't worried about the furnace. And just in, but I'll tell you what, bud. Even if he doesn't deliver us, even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, that's what they, they were just like. They had committed themselves. Well, if, he, if we don't do it, we're just going to die and go to heaven. You know, who cares? We don't really care. But see, we don't have that mentality very good. You know, and see, here's, remember I talked to you a few weeks ago about the way the Hebrews think, okay? The Hebrew, the ancient Hebrews. I hate to say it, but the modern Hebrews don't think. They think like us, Westerners. Westerners have what they call systematic theology. In other words, they systemize everything about God. Everything has to have a logical answer, okay? That's, that's what systematic theology is. That is not the way the, the, the ancient Hebrews looked at God. Here's how the ancient Hebrews looked at God. If God did something that didn't fit into the Scripture, their understanding of the Scripture, their experience, what they've been taught, you know what they were like? Wow. That was their response. Wow, God. You're more awesome than I even dreamed. You're greater than I ever even thought. Because they didn't have to have it logical. They didn't have to have it in a systematic way like we do. Well, God didn't answer this. Why didn't? Well, my faith's not good enough. Or, you know, I got sin in my life. That's why. You see, that's how we think instead of just like looking at all of God. Like, well, they let those things, those anomalies that happen in our life when God doesn't show up or some terrible thing happens that's unexplainable. It caused them to be in wonder of God. That's why he said, His name is wonderful. You know, that's, that's what, they were, what Jesus was trying to tell us, or what Isaiah was trying to tell us when Jesus came. He's going to reveal something wonderful, that God is wonderful, being that He can't be fully explained, He can't be fully known, and He's going to do stuff that doesn't fit in with anybody's theology. And He gets to do that. And what he wants us to do is like, wow, God's awesome. Look at him. He didn't heal this person. You're so awesome. You got something greater. That's what happened with uh, Lazarus, right? Right? Think about it. Hey, the guy's dying. He's your best friend. Come heal him. Nah, I think I'm going to hang around a while. <laughs> I'm not going. Y'all go on. And then he says, the dude's dead, man. That's what he told him. The guy's dead, you know. And then he went and raised him from the dead. Because he wanted to do a dead raising, you know. <laughs> he didn't want to do a healing. He had the dead raising thing going. Oh man, thank you, Lord. Anyways, so I think I, in my Christian life, this is, I keep coming back to this thing in my life, it's right here. I don't know the Lord. But I, I do know this. I do know this. Something happened to me when I made a decision, a conscious decision in my mind several weeks ago. It's like, okay, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm good. I'm done. That's over with. I'm talking about my spiritual life. That's, that was great. That was awesome. But I'm done now. I'm done. That was awesome. 
and done. That freed me. Because I knew that the face was turning. You know? And it was like, i got to quit looking at what was, and i got to start. Remember I said, I'm not, I don't want to live my Christian life out of memory. I'm going to live it out of vision. You know? <laughs> Andy, Andy, tweet that. <laughs> so that wind, that wind did it, though. You see, God did that. He did that. He, God really blew on me. It wasn't just a dream about God blowing on me. God's breath came on my spirit and caused my spirit to come alive and caused me to connect with my spiritual roots of who I really am spiritually. You know, and my destiny and, and my calling to everything. This is something you, have, you need to think about. What gives you life? See, some things you're doing is taking life from you. You need to pay attention to it. Because I had this thing I went over and over for years. Like, I'm, this is it. I, this is it. I'm done. I'm not going to be the pastor no more. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm looking for my third career. <laughs> I've been looking for my third. I was blessed to have two careers in my life. That's been awesome. But I'm thinking, I need a third one, Lord. Give me the third one. I'm done with this one, okay? Let me out. <laughs> but then I realized, I was telling somebody one day, out of my own mouth, look, because they were trying, they were working through their issues. I said, what you got to do is pay attention to your spirit. It's what you're doing giving you life. And he said, well, actually it is. This guy was a banker. I said, that's how I know I'm supposed to stay in the ministry because I get life from the ministry. I used to feel bad about that, like, I can't be right. You know, I'm getting life out of something. I mean, you only get life from God, but that's just a religious bunch of bull. You know, God didn't create us to be a bunch of idiot robots, you know. He wants us to gain life from things that we're involved in, things we're doing. Can you get life from cleaning the toilet? I think you can. I think you can get a lot. If God says you're a toilet cleaner, I think you could be the, you could, you could, third, you could flourish. You can, you can get life, you know, being, uh, tr- taking care of children. You can get life. God wants us to pay attention to that life in us. Pay attention to what gives you life. And do that. Go after that. And if you can't do it, you know, make a living at it, do it on the side as a side job. You know? I just happen to be here to make a living on something that gives me life. That's a blessing from the Lord. It really is. I'll admit that. I'm not lying to you. Okay? Although for years I was saying I wanted out. That was a mistake. Okay, I'm going to be stopping. How would you... Would you all like the Lord... Would you like to see that, that diamond diamond face. God looking at you like a diamond. Hey, I found this diamond in my bed. It was so big that I thought nobody will believe this is a real diamond, so I'm going to just tell them it's a, it's a uh, crystal. It's a real diamond. Unfortunately, it was in a dream. <laughs> but you know what? The next day, when I got up, you know what I did? I pulled every one of those covers back. Where's that diamond? <laughs> In fact, I said, Lord, I tell you what, just give me, give me a one-carat. This diamond was mortal carats. Give me a one-carat diamond, a real one, and I will give it to Becky. <laughs> if you will give it to me, please let that diamond show up in my bed. I will give it to Becky. That diamond may show up. <laughs> that was just a confirmation from the Lord about he wants to reveal himself to you and I in different ways. Okay? That's why I'm excited about 212. 
because I believe God wants to reveal himself to us in a new way that we've never seen before. And it's going to be, it's going to give us wonder. It's going to, it's going to awestruck us. You know, it really is. And we can have that. Now, would you like to, I'm going to blow that wind on you. If you like that wind. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. I believe in the wind. Amen. Holy Spirit's a wind. Everybody say, Holy Spirit, come. Don't you love the Holy Spirit? Tell the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we love you. You're welcome here. In fact, we'll put a sign out in front of our house that says, Come Holy Spirit. Remember, He's already given you everything. He's already given you the Holy Spirit, right? In your spirit. When we say, Come Holy Spirit, we're not trying to get some new thing. We're trying to get the Spirit of God in us to start rising up in us and manifesting itself in us. And we can release the move of God into the earth. Okay? That's what I'm believing for. You know what? I'm believing for the outpouring. That's what I've decided. I'm going for this outpouring deal, which means it comes out of people. And I think we can be some of those people, amen, that releases the life of God wherever we go. Amen. Isn't that, wouldn't that be awesome to be able to do that? Just everywhere you go, change the atmosphere, you know. We're going to take that atmosphere of angelic presence in your house that you carry in your house. When people come to your house, they'll say, angels are here, okay. You know, people who are sensible be able to tell it. You'd be able to take that atmosphere wherever you go. How many people, first let's do that. I want this, because I think that's really important to me. I've got angels in my house. People who are real spiritually sensitive, all of them will come to my house and say, man, you got a lot of angels in this house. A lot of them stay there. Okay? I mean, they don't leave. They've, I'm just telling you the truth, okay? You may think this is crazy. They don't leave. They stay in that house for some reason. I can leave and then come, like, be gone a few days from my house and come back into it and like, oh, yeah. This, my, I'm back here with my angel crowd, you know. I'm back here with my posse that are just hanging around. We all can have that. We all can have that in our homes, okay? And we can take a few with us wherever we go. But more important than that, we've got something even better than angels. And that's the Spirit of the Lord. The Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Christ that's alive in each one of us. That no matter where we go, we're taking Him. And He wants us to be again to tap into Him down there. Down there in our spirit man wherever that's at so Lord alright first of all who wants the angels in their house stand up you, want, you gotta welcome them that's what you gotta do you gotta welcome the and don't be doing a bunch of cursing and carrying on in the house cause they don't well I will be honest with you I've yelled at Becky a few times in my house they didn't leave over it but I promise you they weren't real happy with it <laughs> So we'll just invite, Lord, we thank you that you have sent messengers of fire. And you want people's houses to be places of peace and places of joy and places of rest. Where people come in, that they would know there's a presence in that house that's real and that's alive. And we ask you for that for our homes, Lord. And businesses. If you have a business, or if you have an office at work, or cubicle, or some spot in life, schoolroom or whatever that you could, it could be like a little epicenter you know, where, where there's a presence an angelic presence and a spirit spiritual Holy Spirit presence Lord that's what we want Lord we want to have that and Lord we would like to have a church that's spiritual 
We really would. We want a spirit. We don't want a doctrine church. We don't want a theology church. We want a church where God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit live and are alive and are manifesting themselves. We ask you for that. We really do want that. And some angels can come along if they if they want to. They're welcome. Lord, I ask you, just blow that wind. There's people in this room, you have spiritual roots going back to Azusa Street Revival. That was a Pentecostal revival of fire. It was an amazing revival that really is still going on in the earth today. You have that. That's where God has connected you spiritually. And God wants to blow on that fire that's in you. There's people in this room that like have a Methodist background. That was like one of the most powerful moves of God that, you know, with those methods. It was incredible. Presbyterians, there you go back and study even Presbyterians' roots, man, you would just weep when you look at the state of Presbyterians today when they would deny that God even does miracles, but they came in with miracles and power. That's how they started. And say, we don't want to be those people that their babies grow up and deny a move of God. And the only way we're not going to be those people is we just keep letting the Lord reveal Himself to us and be committed to knowing the Lord in our life. Lord, we want to know You. We really do. We don't want to be fake about this thing. We want something that's real. so much that God wants to do in the earth and Lord we ask you to blow on us Lord the Welsh revival you know I know several people in this room have that that's what I was getting it was a powerful revival it's a couple years before Azusa Street Lord we just blow that on us Lord just blow that on us Lord blow it on us Lord just blow on us Lord that spirit of oppression, I really, if you feel like you just can't connect spiritually, you feel like it's a dark cloud, you don't have an open heaven, raise your hand. Just raise your hand if that's you this morning. You feel like there's no open. Lord, we just break that spirit of oppression off. Lord, in the cross, you gave us an open heaven. You rent that veil, Lord. You tore heaven open when you were baptized, Lord, for yourself. Now you've torn it open for all of us at the cross. Lord, we just we we condemn every oppressive spirit that's blocking us from having that open heaven experience with you. We just break the power of that thing. Lord, we break the power of spirit of infirmity and sickness off in people this morning. You heal, heal, Lord, heal, heal. Lord, we want to be whole to connect. We follow, you're the father of our spirits. We're inviting you to blow on our spirits. Blow, Lord, blow. Invite him. Just say hug. Ask him. Ask Him to yourself. Say, blow in me, God. Blow on me, Lord. Blow on me, God. Blow on me and awaken me and bring life into me where I felt deadness, Lord. Just blow, blow. Just call out to Him and ask Him to blow on you. Blow, Lord. Just blow, Lord. We're inviting you, Holy Spirit. Blow, Lord. Just blow on us. We don't want to stay the same. Awaken us, Lord. Awaken us. Awaken us, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
know what I'm going to do. We're going to, I'm going to dismiss you. <laughs> if, you'll come, if you want me to blow on you, I'll blow on you on your chest. I won't, I'm not going to blow on your face. That would be bad. You know, but if you want to come up here, I'll, bl- I'll be glad. But you know what? You give what you have. You give what you have. I know God blew on me in that dream. I know He did. I know He did. That was the breath of God that came. It was real. It was real. Lord, I'm asking you this morning. I want to blow. I want to give what I got. I want to give it. Lord. I want, I want, I want, Lord, that thing that Paul said, for every man complete in Christ. Every man, every woman, every child. Complete in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. So if you just come out here, I'll just blow on you and just receive it by faith. And let God do what only God can do. Amen. Lord bless you. Thank you for coming to church this morning.